Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're out of here. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Um, so much ground to cover today. Uh, we'll be bringing our guest in just a moment or two, Marcellus Wiley, uh, ex defensive end. Marcellus Wallace? No. Marcellus Wallace from fucking no. Pulp Fiction? Well, no, Wiley. The gangster with the band? Different. No, Wiley. Same name. Different last name. My bad. My bad. I guess we should start, Matt, just to to kind of uh, say RIP to uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson. So upsetting. I did not know that he was even ill um, and just such a, a great fighter. And um, I didn't know him. I, I might've met him. Uh, I'm sure I've, I've interviewed him, but uh, I didn't, I can't say I was a friend of his, but everybody who knew him really liked this guy. I uh, knocked out uh, Teixeira, dropped Gustafson, uh, uh, Antonio Nigeria. I mean, he was just an incredible puncher and a great fighter and uh, really, really sad, man. Yeah, he was a very, he's a very nice guy. I fought on the same card as him the trig fight that you always bring up. That I was do, a, yes. He knocked, he was on that card also. And uh, I don't know who he put to sleep, but he was- Somebody. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Manawa, he knocked out. I mean, that was- yeah. He's, um, he, and he was a nice, he's a really nice guy. That's the one thing I do remember about uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson. He was just always very nice. I, every time I dealt with him, we were always smiling. And, and, I, and I liked him a lot, man. Like I said, you hear about the guys like, who look so healthy and young and powerful- Anthony Rumble Johnson, uh, Elias, Theodora. Theodora, yes. I mean, what the hell, Jimmy? Yeah, he got the diagnosis, I guess, and it must have been uh, pretty advanced. Very, very sad. Rest in peace. And it's it's very, very sad news. It's just it's sad news, man. Hey, let, let's talk about um. And boy, I spent a lot of time with your guys, Matt. Jim, yes or no? What? Well, I mean, that's yes. I, I don't know. I don't. That's not. You go, I spent a lot of time with your guys. You go, yes or no? That's yes. You yeah, did. Of course. Yes, I did. If you did. I that spent the whole the whole card talking to Aljo. Um, and then I chatted with Marab. And then after the fight, Marab and Weidman, I walked with for a while. And they were actually going to walk me back because they were afraid I was going to get beat up. They're just nice guys. Um, Master no, Henzo. Please. Master no, Henzo please. I got to chat with. It was always, uh, he's such a good guy. You can't, I, I, you can't be in a shitty mood around Henzo Gracie. Now, only because, you know, I am who I am. Did you, um, did anybody ask for me? 
Yes, they did actually. You mean, um, no, no, you're bullshitting. No, no, of course they did. I'm trying to think of who Matt didn't. Where's Matt? Might have been Kevin Holland. It was. Oh, you know, it was weird meeting guys that I've only talked to online, like Leon Edwards. I had never met face to face. I had never met uh, Kevin Holland face to face, or Brandon Moreno, or all these guys that we've spoken Wait, to. They must have been so happy to see you. It took a second, and then like, oh yeah, and Jamal Hill, who I love. You know, I love fucking Jamal Hill. Um, it, it was just a what a great night, man. I, this. Gaethje, I was happy to finally get a picture with Gaethje. Uh, I really, really had a great time. So uh, thanks to Dana. Hey, which, who big? Who big times you? Nobody. Brandon Marino. He seems like such a nice guy. He was very. Couldn't have I been know. nicer. <laughs> that guy's out of everybody. I think. You know. And now there's Marcellus. How how are you, sir? I'm doing great. What's up, brothers? Hey, buddy. How are you? Nice, nice to meet you, Marcellus. Uh, I love the question. Who big times you? That's the first thing you got to <laughs> yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. And I want to know. I want to know the scoop. Who's nice to my buddy here? Well, I'll tell you who I didn't talk to. Who We looked at each other, but I never seem like Marcellus. I don't know how my, your self-esteem is. Mine is terrible. And like Alexander Volkanovsky, who's the featherweight champion, who we've interviewed many times, I, I, I didn't speak to because I didn't know if he recognized me. And I just feel like a dick. Um, have you have you been big time? I mean, the NFL, there's a lot of big marquee players. Anybody ever big time to you? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't walk this planet without getting big time. But to me, that means they're just small in stature. They're small somewhere inside if they big time you. Uh, the first time it happened to me, I was a little kid, big track fan. I ran track. Uh, I catch myself on the infield warming up for my race, but it was the youngsters and the professionals. Carl Lewis walks by and I'm like, shoot, that's Carl Lewis. I'm yeah. all in. Run up to him for an autograph, not respecting. He's there to work, not respecting. He's there to warm up. So he kind of shunned me. You fast forward 20 years later or so, I'm in the league and guess who's sitting at my table needing me to pop the bottles for him? It's Carl Lewis. And yeah. I reminded him of that moment, but we got a big laugh out of it. Well, well, also, though, even though he was warming up, how old were you as a kid? Uh, at that time, I was like eight. He should have, you know what? You being eight overrides him needing to warm up. You, you should have got the autograph. He was wrong. That's right. He insecure. That's right. Small self-esteem, low one. Yep. Uh, did you watch the pay-per-view? I did. Come on, yeah. man. That thing. Woo. I don't know how to rank them because I haven't seen them all, but it felt good. It felt epic, bro. Are you a fan of the fights, Marcellus? You, you watch... Yeah, it took a while. I can't lie. At first, when a UFC first hit the scene big, the big splash, I was like, man, that shit too gory, man. Like, they out there going for blood. Like, yeah. not just victory, blood. And then I, I got over that. I wasn't so soft. And then I realized the art of it all. And I'm all in now. I really respect the craft. I, I just see these guys going out there being different gladiators than even I was on the gridiron, man. So I got a great amount of respect for what they do. Yeah, that main, that main event. Uh, wow. I mean, it was something else. And uh, Herrera against Adesanya. Yeah, it has to be very frustrating for Israel Adesanya because he's not being outclassed. And as a matter of fact, another three to five seconds, if that he, he would have ended him in, I believe, that first round. First round. He, he stumbled him. Yeah, he was in bad shape in the first round. It was beautiful. And. You know, the fact that he lost again by stoppage is just. Well, let me ask you, Matt, or or, or, or uh, Marcellus, too, if, if, if the, the fight, I mean, because most people picked Israel to win. Um, some of us picked 
uh, Pereira. Uh, but uh, it, it wasn't because I thought he's a better fighter than Adesanya. I don't. I think Adesanya was a, is a better fighter. I think he looked better in that fight. He won the first round. He won the third round. He won the fourth round. Um, I think he was, he, he was better. He was moving beautifully. Pereira seems almost frozen at one point, just looking for the perfect hook. But it just seems like mentally, man, I don't care what anybody says. If a guy beats you twice and then you got to face him again, there's something mental there. I mean, athlete is a physical thing, but there's also a mental aspect to it. There's no way to overlook that. There was something inside of him that was thrown by, by Pereira because he should have stayed away from him in that fifth round and he didn't. Yeah, man. I mean, what's the old adage? Styles make fights. And it's just a bad style matchup because Pereira has that one hitter quitter. And you can see it in stature. They even talked about it. Like walking into the octagon, he might have been 210, if not bigger. So you can just see his physical stature. You know his reputation. And you have the muscle memory of, hey, he done put me on my back, whether it was in kickboxing or not. In your head, you have the memory of him flattening you out. So you're in the moments and you know you have to fight closer to a perfect fight. You got to do all the right things. You got to check all the damn boxes. And no lie, not only is it exhausting to have to always check those boxes, but it's almost impossible because you're a human being fighting against someone who only needs one moment to end it all. And that's what happened in that, in that fifth. We saw it. Like, as soon as he stunned him, everything came back in flashback. Like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. And that's when the doubt bursts start flying and taking craps on you. And you start to realize there's no way out of this. And him bending down like that, not even attempting to defend himself, not even attempting to throw is because the one thing he knew in the back of his mind that could end this fight was now real. And it happened that fast. It happened in the flash. I, I, let me ask you, Matt, too, because I thought, like, ah, they, was it a soon stoppage? But I talked to a couple people, like, no, he was hurt and he was going to take. But I thought they could have let that go in another few seconds. But, again, that might have just been him getting hit with that hook and really fucked up. What do you think, Matt? I thought it was a definitely a, uh, a just stop. Okay. I'm thought, glad to hear that. Because yeah. when you see when it was broken up, it was, he might've said he was fine. Yeah, it came right up, yeah. I don't know where he was in his mind, but looking at the floor is not fine. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, mean I don't know. It's not playing the old peekaboo. I mean, he's, he wasn't doing the rope-a-dope. He was, right. he was a sitting duck. And seriously, with these, the way he hits with these gloves, if you've seen a guy that had enough, I, and whoever's, you know, the ref is the closest. Yeah. I, I remember when it was stopped, I wasn't like, oh man, I was like, man he got him you know yeah i'm glad to hear that because i when i saw it i guess i'm going by adesanya's reaction when he came up like what the fuck but i guess a lot of guys say that when they every come right every guy up. does yeah. that that's like the cat that gets caught with steroids what do you mean i don't do anything like you got that's just the natural reflect reflexive response like oh my god but why didn't you do that before it got stopped like where was your alertness then where was your head yeah. looking down for if you're in that moment are ready to go he wasn't ready to go it was time to tap and I felt no, bad I, for Adesanya because I, I I think he looked, he was clearly winning that fight. And I think he's an overall better yeah. fighter. I think he's, uh, Pereira's great, but but I think Adesanya is a better fighter. I just think there's something in there uh, where he he might make a mistake he wouldn't make against anybody else a lot. Because he's fought hard hitters. He's fought Paulo Costi, dropped in the second round. He went fucking 10 rounds with uh, Romero. So he can take a punch. No, but they're not the same caliber and calculated mm. striker as 
uh, Alex Pereira. You got to understand, he's coming from that world of kickboxing. Yeah. Yep. That high level kickboxing. I know, you know, hey, well, Paul Acosta, look, he has muscles and he throws punches and kicks. It's not the same thing. This guy, in his world, he's one of the elite, you know, in that yeah. kicking net, just with all the striking. Now, this is a question. Now, this is really what's going to be kind of crazy to me is we talk about Styles making fights. If these guys fought 10 times, I guarantee you, it's going to be a toss-up. Yeah. But now we talk about Kamzat already looking to challenge, already saying, yo, let's go Brazil, me and you, Pereira. Kamzat might be the worst matchup. You better hope that left hook lands. Do you know who Kamzat is, Marcellus? No, no. Kamzat Shemaev, yeah. It's basically, he's a horror movie. <laughs> uh, he is uh, a grappler, uh, a wrestler. Oh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, he takes guys down. Mm. You know it's coming, and you cannot stop it, and he just gets you to the floor and mauls you. He could stand up also. So, Styles make fights. It's a horrible matchup for Alex Pereira. Yeah. And I feel mm. it's a very winnable fight for Kamzat, who also fights at 170. <laughs> so 185, you mean? And, and 170. Oh, you're saying, I, I'm sorry, you're saying also as in he also, fights uh, both? Well, okay. I missed well, the weight. And middleweight. Yeah, um, I think that that's a bad matchup for uh, for for Alex's right, and I don't I don't think they I think Adesanya, even if Adesanya got knocked out in the first round, I think Adesanya has earned an automatic rematch with oh. what he's done and the way he's performed as the middleweight champ. I also think it's a because Kamzat's going to be there. Uh, this is a bigger fight. The rematch between these two is a massive fight. Whoever wins, they have to deal with uh, Kamzat. Either fight is massive. Um, I think Kamzat against, uh, against uh, Israel is a bigger fight uh, because Israel is a bigger name. But um, I, I don't think they give Pereira. I, I don't think he gets uh, uh, Kamzat right now. I think, I think you have to give that to Adesanya. Yeah, you got to give a rematch right now. You wow, have to, yeah. I mean, you, you strike while it's hot. And right now, that's fresh in our mind. It was a fight that, oh, Izzy is winning. Look at Israel. Oh, my God. It's over like that. Oh, no, no, no. Let's go back to the drawing board, do this once again and see how it's going to come up. Because then you're playing with our imagination. And that's what you got to always do when you're talking about sports and setup and matches is reshuffle the deck and reshuffle our imagination. So I imagine that fight, that fifth round, I was like, yeah, he's going to come out and throw the one hitter quitters and haymakers, but chances are they're not going to land and he's going to win out on decision. We get it. Oh, no. So now we got to go back to the remix and see how they're going to play it through. Isn't yeah. that why you love the game? I mean, think about think about Leon Edwards versus Kamaru. Oh. Similar vibe, mm. a similar feel, where it's like, man, one more round and and it's and still, and uh, a few more like, seconds. Yeah, it was a few more seconds. I think right. He was it was like a, like a minute, minute or something left. Yeah, a minute left with that one. Yeah, stuff like that. But uh, I know what I love watching because they always show it is that fifth round for between the fourth and fifth corner work. So mm. again, in this one, Alex, one round to be champion, you yeah. need to finish him. You yep. need to knock him out. That's what to be a champion. That's what you need, right? So then, when you see that, and you see the fighter, you see their eyes reacting. I'll tell you, it gets very emotional. It gets very, you know. And then, uh, and then he goes out and does it. It's like right out of a movie. It's really, yeah. it's something else. Yeah, and that's what I. One of the things I respect the most about just the dynamic of UFC is the fact that 
In football, you get a seven, eight point play maximum. So if we're down by 20, it's going to be a slow drip before we catch up. Even though momentum may be on our side, you can see it coming. It doesn't happen like that. But in the UFC, dog, I don't give a damn. If you're still standing, you got a true puncher's chance. And you can make up that deficit in a split second. And I think that takes you to a different level in terms of energy and excitement and anticipation where the faucet could just open up on somebody and it's a wrap versus in our sport, you know, it's just that slow build until you see someone get overwhelmed. And there was also, by the way, we shouldn't forget, there was another title change hands. The uh, the women's strawweight, Carla Esparza came in against uh, uh, Wiley Zhang and, uh, and and lost the title. And I think a lot of people saw Zhang winning that. But again, you never know. I mean, if she gets a hold of her and puts her on the ground, that could have been a, an ugly night. But Wiley did a lot better on the ground, I think, than anybody expected. I don't think anybody expected her to be able to survive and function as well on the floor as she did. So congratulations to her, too. I was happy for her. I, was, I, I like her a lot. Yeah, I love her energy. Uh, that's what it was. I mean, we used to call them the Tasmanians. Like, you know, there's a time where you go against someone and she has tremendous skill level and desire. She's been her worst enemy in terms of her history of whenever she not, she's not fighting at her best. But this time she was fully activated. And that Tasmanian effect, like her will, her drive, her the fact that she just doesn't stop moving. And she was just so tenacious that... No matter what you tried to do, it wasn't going to work because she was just going to overwhelm you with her desire and that skill level. Yeah, we saw it coming and she finished the deal. Yeah, I was happy for her. That was it was really nice. Uh, the By the way, the fight too. one of the again, Michael Chandler, Poirier did submit him in the third round. But uh, what a fucking fight. Like even when he loses, he's a guy like Justin Gaethje where Michael Chandler still has a few fights even if he was to lose them where people are like, fuck it, I want to see this guy fight. He's still a big draw. He's still a, a third fight on the main card draw or co-main, at least at this point. Um, what did you think, Matt? I, I mean, Poirier is just, again, Poirier has seen everything and he's beaten almost everybody except for Habib. You know what I like? He's seen everything, including a rear naked choke when he hmm. lost his chance of getting the title to Charles Oliveira. Yeah. And then in this fight, Totally redeems himself by finishing with a rear naked choke. Yeah. In his last fight, he lost to it. Now he's shown, hey, listen, I'm a black belt in jujitsu. Yep. I'm I got more than old, just the old fist of cuffs. So the, the rear naked choke, you know, uh, Michael Chandler, who doesn't really have a neck, is no. really, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that was impressive. And I thought it was interesting afterwards how he called them, uh, a dirty fucker, to be honest. He said something about he said he was fish hooking him to try to get the choke. Yeah. And yeah. blowing his nose on him or something. He was like, <laughs> he blew his nose on him. I, I uh, mean, yeah. He, he, he did. get the exact quote on that, but uh he ah. did. And then he, those lines. He, he blamed it. He was like, Hey, I didn't make up gravity. You under me. I'm sorry, I had to blow my nose. I had to breathe. Oh, he was was that when blood shot out on him? It was yeah. a bunch of blood. I remember saying that, yeah, because I I was very close to the cage. I think I was looking up because they were on the floor. And at one point you could just see this gush of blood come out. I didn't realize that he had, bl- he had blown it. Hey, you got to breathe. What are you going to do? 
<laughs> yeah, but he was doing that with intention. And that's oh, yeah. the thing. Like, you go against somebody. To me, that always yells to me that they may not think they can do this the right way. So they got to go blur the lines, if not cross the lines to get it done. The fish hooking, that's not an accident. Like, what the hell else can you be hooking onto with a person? So he's a fish hooking right here. And he's like, oh, he's trying to bite down on it. And then you couple that with the fact that he blows his nose right on him. Like, basically, he was trying to muck it up. And he's yeah. like, in the process of mucking it up, hopefully you get distracted, you get off your game, I catch you slipping, and I win. But it's crazy. He did all that and still took the L. Yeah, I mean, uh, Poirier looked great. And just, uh, you know, again, I, I, I'm a big Michael Chandler fan, but I also love Poirier, so it's not, it's not uh, I'm never sad to see him win. The only, I once said, note, of course, uh, Frankie Edgar, uh, Chris, uh, under uh, Chris Gutierrez, he took the knee and got knocked out in the first round. It was his last fight at the garden. But you know, I think a lot of people knew that uh, Chris was going to win that fight. Um, and you know, it's sad to see Frankie go out like that. But on the flip side, it does confirm, hey, man, it is the right time. You're making the right decision. Yeah, I, I always hate when the, 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 the wife and the kids are there. Like, it's one of these things where, you know, I, I wouldn't, there's times my wife was my fiance at the time, but uh, my wife now, but like, when I went to fight for a title with St. Pierre, I purposely like, look, stay home. Mm. I don't need them. You know, like, the, yep. I don't know. It's either your best night or your worst night. If it's your best night, you can give a hug when you get home and celebrate and you're all cheering anyway. <laughs> but if you're there, I mean, you're going to scar these kids. I feel like, you know what I mean? I get like, oh, you. it's rough seeing because it's a bad moment. You know what I mean? When you see somebody put to sleep like that, that you love. And then you have your family there. It's just, I don't know. Kamaru's daughter saw that last fight and she was crying oh, and upset. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a, you know, but uh, everybody's different. So those who choose to have their family there, you know, but I'm happy that I'm happy that Frankie's walking away. He has nothing else to prove. He's a legend. Yeah. Definitely Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, he's everybody loves Frankie Edgar. How do you not love Frankie? You yeah. Know? He's father time and father time's undefeated, man, especially yeah. in this game, you know. Yeah, his record is infinity and oh, like father <laughs> time playing no games with y'all, bro. Like, I don't care who you are. And to me, uh, I mean, to each his own, I, I would choose for my family to be there through good times, bad times, knockout wins, knockout losses, because I want them, especially the youngsters, to grow to know there is a separation of church and state. Like daddy is performing. Daddy is showing his talents. Daddy is out there working. And I'm still always going to be daddy. I'm coming back home to let you know that's something I did. And this is something I do all the time. Whereas if you only come home at the good times and with the smile, or they only show up when you know you're going to bite the tomato can, you might be setting your kid up for something that they may not have to deal with until they get older and realize life doesn't work that way, daddy. So right. you could have... You could introduce me to it a little earlier, especially when you were chaperoning. So I'm not mad at it. You know, Father Time's undefeated for a reason. It helps the sport keep its integrity because it's a young man's game. No matter how good you are, it comes to be an end for you. Now, Marcellus, you've also, uh, your podcast, uh, I'm more to it, where you talk to athletes and entertainers, and you do have experience with, uh, with retiring, with seeing guys uh, stay longer than they should and wind up getting hurt and, uh, I, I always like when I see a guy say, this is going to be it. And then, like, I don't blame Tom Brady either for playing one more season. 
Uh, and I don't blame Frankie for taking one more fight. It's like they, you know, you want something that will definitively tell you either way. Um, but it's tough to watch a guy who you like get hurt, you know. And I, and Frankie seemed okay after that, and you just yeah. hope he, he's not hurt. Yeah, man. I mean, we used to say you ball till you fall, and the reason you got to just keep going, even though public perception may switch on you and people was like, I wish you go away. You're messing up your legacy. But those people didn't put in those reps with you. Those people yeah. weren't eight years old with you when you were climbing that mountain to become whoever you became. So if they didn't help you get up there, they can't tell you when to get down. Right. It's got to be on your terms, on your conditions, even if it looks bad, because this is going to be the death of something that you love. Like it's going to die. This is one of the deaths that happens to an athlete when you can't do that anymore. It's not golf, you know what I mean? This is not pickleball, this is combat. And once it's behind you, it stays behind you. So why not hold on to it if you want to as long as possible? So like you said, Brady, keep balling, man. Even if it's a notch down or two, you don't have to win a Super Bowl every damn year. You didn't do that in your prime. So these expectations that the greats have to cut it short just because we don't want to see them suffer, I think is a little selfish. And, and, and Brady playing one more season and not having a great season. Frankie taking one more fight, not having the fight that he wanted. Again, it is, it is one of those things where no one's going to remember, oh, Frankie got knocked out, or Brady had a bad it, It's the overall, Frankie's one of the most respected guys in the UFC. He's respected by the fans, uh, the fighters. When he took that Ortega fight waiting for Max to heal, and he didn't have to, and he wound up losing, and Ortega got the shot. Uh, he's one of the most universally respected guys, probably in the history of the UFC. So whatever he wanted to do, I, I was fine with. This episode of UFC Unfiltered, it's brought to you by Love Hemp. They're the official CBD partner of UFC. Life can be a challenge, but we all strive to live it to the fullest. Love Hemp is one of the leading CBD brands loved and trusted by professional athletes worldwide with a multi-award-winning range, over 40 CBD products, including oils, edibles, capsules, and skincare, all of which are designed to fit seamlessly into your daily routine and support optimal health, wellness, and recovery. Whatever challenges you might be facing, Love Hemp is always in your corner. Love Hemp, love life. Available across Europe via lovehemp.com Coming soon to the U.S. How nervous were you guys when Dan Hooker was getting his legs attacked by Claudio uh, Pure? Well, yeah. Um, it, He's gonna get that, if you don't know, Claudio, he knows how to take a leg or two. Yes, he does. He's yeah. a leg breaker. So mm. when he was, and, and, and Dan Hooker's got those long legs. When he was on that leg, I'm like, oh, it's a matter of time. It was very, very scary. I'm thinking something's going to get ripped off. So Dan Hooker, I, it's funny. He had it totally straight, but he was belly down on it. So it couldn't go any more straight. He was trying to get an arch on it. It was mm -hmm. when he was belly down. I'm like, mm -hmm. if, he just, if he gets on his side at all, that thing's going to break in half. So he was just <laughs> trusting in the flexibility of his leg. And then the fact that that he's belly down, he can only get so much of an arch. It was really wild. It Do you remember sick. that moment, Matt, where he was, it looked like Hooker was just like, okay, this is what we're doing now. And he was in a place where he knew he was okay. And I'm like, he looks really comfortable and relaxed. And I'm like, he's not gonna tap. So what, what did he need to do? Did he need to, uh, 
Was it because he was belly down that he just couldn't get that final angle on it? Oh, I mean, the leg was straight. Anything else is a hyperextension. So if he's on his side, he can lean back. If he's on his back, he can elevate his hips more. His pelvis is going to the floor. He's trying to arch up with it, but there's only so much arch he can get on it. So it was like, it's like, oh, it's right there, but it's not, he doesn't have the leverage to break it type of thing. And Dan Hooker just, I guarantee you, those city kickboxing guys, they're not just kickboxing. They're smart. So I guarantee you, it's not the first time he had somebody on his legs during his camp. He did his homework. He did it. It reminded me of the guy. The name's um, it's it's gonna he, the guy fought um who was the leg locker um Taquino what is his name the uh the little fire hydrant of a guy Paul Harris Paul Harris. There's a guy who was a leg breaker and he fought a kickboxer Aaron, Aaron Simpson. Is that the right name? I, I might know. I might be way off. It's bothering me. But anyway. It's very similar. The guy lived on his legs. Everybody's waiting for the break. The guy weathered the storm like Dan Hooker did. Right. And ended up getting the uh, the win. It started getting ugly when this guy is so used to, once he's around the leg, finishing it, that it's almost like a KO artist not getting the KO. Right. Just looking for it and looking desperate for it. So now it's like, all right, now it's starting not to be a good look. You just drop it to your back, hoping to get a leg lock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if you, it started to get ugly, and and oh, and good for Dan Hooker. That's what he needed to do. You know. Yes, and and uh, another again, the whole card was great. I mean, this was just one from top to bottom uh, was amazing. Uh, Ryan Spann, I mean, congratulations to him. He he dropped Reyes in the first round, and it was a, a bad knockout. What's that? A jam. It was a jam. It was a jam. Oh, I think you said jam, a jam, like you got jam. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. He's uh, very underrated, Ryan Span, and and I and I think now he's number twelve, and, and Reyes was seven. But I imagine that's gonna he's gonna jump into the seventh spot. I felt bad for Dom because I like him, but uh, what a tremendous uh, tremendous uh, performance by Ryan Span. And it happened fast. Span. Too. Yeah, yeah, it happened real fast. Like you couldn't even get your feet underneath you. First round, you got to take it like that. Uh, but I, not knowing everything about that fight, walking into it. Uh, I would have won in Vegas on that one. I was like, yeah, Ryan Spann looked like he's about to do something today, and he actually lived up to it. So uh, you don't have a ton of stats to support. He just went out there with that fury and finished it. And, uh, yeah, Molly McCann, who we had on uh, last week, Matt, uh, got finished in the first round by Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, beautiful performance. But it just, again, it, there's no way you can you can put in – to be that good on the ground, you're not going to be able to accomplish it in one camp. You're not going to be able to – deal with someone that good on the ground you know you could tell like when we talked to molly mccann and uh she was saying well if she takes me down i'm gonna do this 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 oh that's right yeah 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 the thing is when you have somebody who's used to isolating and 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 isolating the limbs and then taking them for for just for years it's it's something that's hard to prepare for you know what i mean because it's not a second nature you mean what 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 erin did was um when she got her down it's not just about having the far side arm controlling that near side arm. You get that out of the equation. So it doesn't matter how flexible you are. Now you're getting in a crucifix. So you see people, even the fights back in the day with Matt Hughes versus BJ Penn, who is a guy that could put his legs behind his head, both his legs, super flexible. When he has both his arms pinned out, he could not escape from that from cross side. So it's even with flexible and explosive people, when you destroy their framework, 
it's 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 a hard thing. DC beat Vulcan like that. Uh, Vulcan, Vulcan Usdemir, yeah, in the second round. So you know, it's a, it seems like a simple thing, but uh, it, it's devastating if you don't know how to escape. Let me yeah. ask you: there was a moment, and Marcel, you may even remember this. There was a moment where he's in he's 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 in. Uh, uh, crucifix like that and, and and her and her arm she pulled her arm out and then Blanchfield got it right back and I'm like I don't know what she what did she do wrong that Aaron got her arm back immediately it was out for maybe a second well this it's not what she did wrong she knows how to control her so first of all when somebody's on top of you on cross side position you don't want the arms out you'd rather them be underneath your opponent okay right that way you can start being like a turtle in a shell and connecting mm. your knee to your elbow and retrieving guard and, or offsetting balance to get underhooks. But when your arms are out, that's when they can not only get taken with arm locks and kimuras, but they can also get you just pinned. So when she escaped this near side arm, if she's on my right side, that arm could help you offset the balance. Even if you don't get a clean escape, it would make her base out. Now I have an underhook. Now I have a way out. So there's ways to get out, but again, this is stuff that, you know, you have to learn in jiu-jitsu class and you have to hone. It's not just you do this move. Well, yes, but you have to have hours of escaping from that position with people literally trying to just keep you down. So that's yeah. that's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, and she found out the hard way, which the playbook is never how the game is played. Like, you know, okay, we're going to do this, and you anticipate their counter. But what you don't anticipate is all the counters that come from the counter that they threw at you. So they are on plan B, plan C. And a lot of times when you're learning something new, you go out there and you get the repetitions as advertised, but never go into that depth level. And that's what the experience tells you that's what the experience does for you it gets gets you from plan a to plan z and when you're just trying to read it and you're thinking it you're going to do it slower and you're not going to do it as complex as your opponent that's timing, right i'm sorry jimmy that's good timing and sensitivity that's something you develop in training or running the plays you don't just look at that playbook and go, oh, that's the play we're playing you have to work that out on the field. And I'm not a football guy, but I'm, a, I'm assuming that's what you do. Same right. thing with the fighting. It's not like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to get taken down. Well, how many are you doing a whole camp of you sprawling? Because you've got to develop that. Like, you know what I mean? So, again, it is knowing the game plan and getting that sensitivity and the timing down that takes hours and hours in, in the practice room. Well, as, as I guess uh, Mike Tyson so perfectly said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what changes your – because then you're, it's, it's alive and it's real, and the things that look good on paper, it just sometimes feels a little bit different. So, yeah, I guess that, that's, uh, that's where all the hours and hours of, of, of escaping that position would come in. Just, but it was, a, it was just an incredible night. Um, I, I was very bummed for Israel, but happy for, uh, for Alex. Uh, yes, and uh, you know we'll see what happens in the rematch, but I, I'm I would unless Israel has an injury, like unless something happens, um, I would say he's absolutely next in line. A hundred percent. I just want to point out um, there was an undefeated fighter on the card. Um, oh, Atman Azitar. Uh, Azitar, yeah. Azitar, and he and he fought one of my fighters. Yep. Uh, Matt Favola, and Matt Favola was a big underdog in that fight, and he hit him with a left hook from. Hades, and I mean, and it was a beautiful thing. He's a Long Island kid, yeah, and he did that in the Madison Square Garden. 
And uh, Matt is one of those guys, and, his, and the guy he just won before this, the fight, the fight that Matt won prior to this, was also an undefeated guy. So Matt is just very, he doesn't get shook about who's across the cage from him. Because they know, he knows that they got the problem because they're fighting him. Mm. And he's crazy enough to know, all right, you're the bet. I know you're the favorite. You're knocking everybody out, but I'm willing to go to hell to take you out. And look at that. What a beautiful display. And I was very happy for him because he got to do that in front of his family and friends. And again, he was the underdog. So he indicated that when we talked to him uh, again, we had we, he, him and Molly McCann were both on, and he indicated the same thing that, hey, you know, he, he didn't seem concerned about it. He didn't con be, seem concerned about being the underdog. He didn't seem to give a shit. It was something else. It was something else. And it was just pointed out to me too, and I hadn't thought of it. I, I didn't realize, uh, you know, Dom Dom Reyes, who was twelve and zero, is now twelve and four, and four straight mm -hmm. losses. Even though I firmly believe he should be uh, thirteen and three, because I do think he won that John Jones fight. I think that was a great fight. I, th I thought Reyes did win that fight, but he's been. Uh, it looks like knocked out three times by uh, Blahovich, Brahovska, and uh, and now Ryan Span. So that's getting to a point where it's a little bit dangerous for him. And that ne this next fight may determine whether or not he has a long future with the UFC. It's crazy how so quickly a career could turn around. Turns and I'm, around. Not, I'm not piling on. We like no, that. no, we love this guy. And he was upset. He felt insulted to be on the prelims. So it's like, listen, man, you know what you want to, if you want to show why you're mad, you want to show him anything, you got to show him in the cage. And right now, I think we're worried about the guy's safety. You can't, it's not good to get your lights put out like that. I mean, I know that's a common thing to say, but like more than once, I mean, I mean, my career, how long did I fight? I got, I mean, maybe one concussion, maybe two. I mean, that's over a course of right. how many years, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And when they happen in the first round and it's happening multiple times and it's consecutive loss after losses after loss, like, not only are you going to be a shell of yourself until you prove yourself wrong, because right now you're doubting yourself. It is, this is what I love. Like when real athletes talk about it, you can say, yeah, I was fully confident, but, and that, but is you doubting yourself. Like you have been through it where you had lost before. And then you fight a guy like Ryan Spann who you're like, okay, I, why am I even fighting this early? Why am I even on the prelims? Why am I fighting him? The guy got seven losses. And then, he shows you that no matter how great your skill is, you better have greater will. And that's what's happening in a lot of these matches. And that's what I love to see as well. The guys who go out there and you can't display the will. You can't talk about the will. It just has to be shown through combat. And when you go against that, oh, you learn fast. If you don't want it as bad as him, you about to get tapped. And Marcellus, I know you trained, uh, you, you trained under Freddie Roach. And I also, I, I was, uh, you were talking about, you and I have one thing in common, which is that uh, I would always get fighters to show me certain moves just to see what they felt like. Uh, and again, never in a real combat strength, just to, and I know you've taken, uh, I guess, what punches from Jones and Anderson. Um, I had both of those guys kick me. Anderson wouldn't do it hard. I just wanted a little kick on the shoulder to feel, but John was in fight week. I guess he was fucking cutting weight. Ooh. he put a <laughs> shin in my upper knee I was in my upper thigh and it was like being hit with a baseball bat and I remember thinking I, I said this too I'm, I'm going to shit my pants or I'm going to throw up your whole body <laughs> your whole body just goes I, it doesn't know what to do I had to go to the bathroom I was like dizzy yeah. Woo! And, and that was not John trying to break my leg that was just him fucking around so what, what was your circumstances with those guys 
Yeah, man. Uh, I walked into it with, and this is all in jest, but you know, the football player's ego. I'm sitting there, I'm 6'4", I'm 260, and I'm looking at John Jones, and I'm looking at Anderson Silva. I'm like, dude, I'm like double you guys. Like, come on. I know you're tall, but you're lanky. I could just grab you and do whatever I want to do. So we're having that kind of fun, that kind of banter. And I was like, let me see what you guys do in the octagon. Because I know on the football field, in the trenches, there's hell to pay. Yeah. Like, like dudes are 330 and they're 330 pounds running around. It's like, like stampedes. It's like cattle. So I'm yeah. like, there's no way <laughs> what you're going to show me is going to intimidate me. And bruh. I think at maybe a quarter speed, not even half speed, they both just did a quick upper body move to just distract me while they kicked me. And then they come back with the punch while you're reacting to the kick. And it just happened like lightning. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, yeah, you know, that wasn't half speed. And I was like, that would fuck me up if it was real. And that's what I love about it because in that moment, the thing I respected the most is the precision. Like they know where to strike. They know how to strike. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm good at this and I practice this and I'm world-renowned. It's like, no, this knife is so sharp. It is going to surgically destroy where I want it to go. And that was just impressive to see, even in just a light training session. And and the thing you realize when when there's guys doing this is, is A, you know that they could go... 70% harder and really hurt you. And B, they're used to dealing with someone who does that stuff just as well as they do or almost as well as they do. And they know how to avoid it and they know how to get struck with it and still keep fighting. It, it, there's so many things, just taking those little things has made me so much more in awe of what these guys do because you just realize I, how unsurvivable a lot of that is unless you have a, a skill set that's comparable. Where, where did Jones punch you? Oh man, I caught one and like the diaphragm area, but I had on the padding. I ain't gonna lie to y'all, man. Oh. I, I, I certainly, hell yeah. I was like, dude, I know you about to bring me some pain. So I had the padding on, he caught me right there. And even though you got the padding on, you still, oh, it's big, oh, and you're like, yeah. you're feeling it. And it, it makes you just respect the, the universal athlete that can do it all so many different ways. Cause those guys look at me like, dude, putting my hand down in a three-point stance and then dealing with the offensive tackle, disengaging, then trying to find a running back and avoid all those other big dudes. Like, come on, man, I'm not built for that. But no matter how you're built, if you apply yourself, and I think that's what we all kind of have and it's a common denominator, the application of our hearts and our commitment. And that's why you start to master something, those 10,000 hours. So when I see a guy like that, I've had Mike Tyson throw a punch at me before, all these are lighthearted. All these are fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, champ at the champ. And just to see how it's not coming like you draw it up. It's coming like how they design it masterfully. That's amazing. When, when you watch Tyson lately on Instagram, and he was at the fights on, um, on Saturday. And when you watch him even on Instagram training now, uh, he's still just as a man on the street he's he's still moving yeah. and throwing extremely fast extremely hard punches and would he be able to beat uh maybe the world heavyweight champion now no but the other 99.9 percent ah. of human beings walking around who are not the world champion you're in trouble that's still a guy joe frazier i interviewed once very old um you know a little punchy at that point 
but he did a move where we were taking a picture where he kind of fake throws a punch at you. And universally, everybody, you, you, you react and you realize this guy's 70 years old and he could still, he could still uh, probably put me in a coma uh, with one punch. They just, they don't lose the ability to punch. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Jimmy. Yeah, I seen on your Instagram. Yes, something, some kind of commotion backstage. Tell us and more. Tell us what happened. It was uh, I was in the garage, and uh, it was a little bit of uh, this is when Tyson had uh, was leaving, so he was hanging out talking to everybody, and uh, then right. Mike Mike left, and it seems like that puts everybody in kind of a maybe a bit of a feistier mood. Everybody, he just has such a, a, a pretty amazing effect. So I hear some la- la- yelling. So I pull my phone out um and it's <laughs> it's i see <laughs> it really is and i normally don't find anything to film it's uh it's kevin holland going at uh somebody from kamaru's team was there it was a really giant guy i don't know if he trains together or if he's just a bodyguard and jamal hill was standing with uh kevin and then they were arguing and somebody got pushed ali uh abdelaziz was there um he, i think he got shoved and then nobody threw any punches it was just kind of got loud and a little ruckus and whatever and then one of the guys from i think kamara's camp grabbed my phone why and I, like i was filmed like i was filming in like in some secret moment oh and first I, of all they can't do they can't do that they yeah, not only I, no 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 he no he didn't hit me he grabbed the, he just snatched it and goes don't but before i could say a word reed harris was there and reed said to him don't touch my guy's phones and then a minute later, that guy came over to me and apologized. He Damn said, Jimmy? "Yeah, good. I'm he, glad he, he did yeah, that. I was fine with it. I, he, because he didn't smack my hand. He just he, he was his guy was having a thing, and he just didn't want it to be. And it was wrong. But he came right over. He goes, "Hey, man, that was just in the moment. I'm sorry about that." And I was like, right. "Yeah, no, it's fine. It wasn't hurt. He didn't. He All didn't right. strike me." Um, and I, I was. Hey, I'm pre- not an ambulance chaser, but this story happened to me before. And that is assault. And I did that before. Long story short, I valeted my truck at Jerome Bettis's birthday party. The party, fun, fun. I'm about to leave. Give valet my ticket. Come back, valet. I'm riding around. I'm looking. As I pull out, TV's gone. Radio, gone. Speakers, gone. They had robbed me. They had run some racket at the valet, right? So I, I go to the valet attendant. Hey, man. What the hell is this? I give you my ticket. I come back four hours later. My my car is empty. It's naked. He's like, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Turns out they did it to everybody. Long story short, 
Guy gets on the phone to call a supervisor. Hey, 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 a lot of guys out here saying that we stole their stuff. Let me see their phone. Just let me see your phone. Hello? No one's on the phone. Dude didn't even call anybody. Police come later. Guess what they said? Hey, Marcellus, I know they stole your shit, but you took his phone from his hand. That's assault. Ah. Now, find the phone or that's theft. And I was like, huh? I'm the victim here. They were like, nah, B. Wow. So, I mean, obviously, you don't want to press it on all these situations. But you take somebody's stuff out of their personal space. Hey, man, the law looking at you different than you think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't... Uh... I wasn't even angry about it because it happened so fast and Reed spoke to him. Like Reed was right there. And sp like be be before a word came out of my mouth, Reed said something. And then the guy immediately, yeah. again, I, you know, I, I knew what happened. He wasn't trying to be a dick. He just reacted in a moment and immediately apologized. Um, but I, I, it's funny, man, before I sent it out, I did text Dana uh, because it wasn't something that happened outside the garden. It was something that happened in the garage. And I was there uh, because Dana had given me a, you know, and, and I, again, you don't want to, a guy who treats you well, you don't want to do anything that's going to, A, I don't want to fuck the fighters over, and B, I don't want to do anything that the UFC wouldn't like. Even though anytime there's altercations like that, it's all promotional. Like, I, you know, <laughs> Holland now at Welterweight will probably be looking at uh, Kamaru. There's something now with these guys. So eventually they may wind up fighting. But he's like, yeah, go ahead, just send it out if you want. But I wanted to make it. But Dana noticed. He goes, that guy grabbed your phone. I'm like, yeah, I don't. It's fine. <laughs> well, I wasn't, you know, I was, yeah, I wasn't going to be a dick about it. But it ended okay. Oh, it's fine. But uh, yeah, they uh, they got into a bit of a uh, because when, when, look, when guys like that want to fight, they fight like, yeah. you know, if, if shoving and jawing at each other is one thing. But guys on that level, if they really want to fight, they're going to fight uh, yeah. and they're going to throw a punch or they're going to throw someone to the ground. And that was just not what was happening. Now, Jimmy and Marcellus, maybe now I this is out of left field. So sure. you're not always looking for new shows to watch. Sure. That new, the best is the lone Tulsa King. Did you guys hear anything about it? He's got I, a new show where he's I've like seen a the promo. You no. seen the promo? Me too. And I don't think he's ever did a TV show before. No, he hasn't. So this is very interesting to me. And it looks kind of like a Sopranos, but like a comedy thing on it. Like, I don't know. Nothing, Jimmy? I no, well, my a friend of mine's in it. Uh, Dominic Lombardozzi, uh, who I love, and he's one of the best actors working. So I will watch it just to right. see what Dom does. Um, I, you know, I, again, I, I didn't see much on it. So one promo, it looked pretty good, but uh, because Dom's in it, I'll watch it. Hey, Marcellus, what are we watching over there? What do you do? You have any uh, shows that you binge, or are you reading any books? Give me, give me something to get it. Yeah, man. Well, I got three little kids, seven, three, and two. So I can hip you right now to everything Ninjago. Everything, seeing one, seeing two, all them kid movies and stuff. I know all that, but I actually just finished uh, binge watching The Watcher. Have y'all seen that? Heard yes, of that on Netflix? Yeah. How is that? That was different. That that got me into it, even though I was mad that I was that far into it. And then when it ended, I was like, "Come on, man! Seven quick yeah. episodes, worth the watch, but certainly is gonna make you a little frustrated through the process." Uh, Jake the yeah. Mighty said the ending was, our producer said the ending was awful. And I heard from other people, I don't know what, it, don't spoil, please. But I heard, I heard the ending was not good. Do you guys agree with that? Hell yeah. I it do. was bad, but I kind of, when I, I, I will say this, I, I won't spoil it for you, but I, I knowing that it's based somewhat on true events, however, those end, when they are based, again, only somewhat on true events, I, I, I'm a little less annoyed, 
Uh, because to make it end differently, they would have to totally create something. Uh, even though it's not an exact telling of true events at all. It's a, it's kind of a based on, even they say based on true events, that means they're going to have a lot of artistic license. Um, but no, the ending didn't annoy me because I knew it was somehow based on true. My girlfriend, however, wanted to throw the fucking television (laughs) at the balcony. So her take was very different than mine. She was disgusted and angry. Yeah. Mad that you gave it that that much time, that investment, especially at the end. And then you're like, dude, because there are more climatic moments before you get to the end. So we all just want to end with a splash, with a bang. And when you end with a thud, like, oh, come on. They make you start thinking it's a thriller now. So you're like, man, dude, give me what I want. And they didn't do that. And Bobby Cannavale was great. The acting was very good. Yeah. Um, and Bobby Cannavale is great in everything he does. He, he has never been bad. So it's worth watching just for, uh, for him and for the cast. Um, well, I get, look, this was great. Well, let me plug your podcast properly. Uh, Marcellus, uh, thank you for coming on. It's called more to it. And you're talking athletes, entertainers, people with surprising stories and, uh, proving that there's more, uh, to everyone's reality that meets the eye. And uh, we'd love to have you join us again sometime if you want. It was fun hanging. Oh yeah, definitely. Jim. I love it, man. And much respect to you, Matt. It's great to connect oh. with you, brother. One day I'll let you punch, punch me too. 25%. Hit me. No, 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 no deal. I'll have you, I'll have you strangle me. Uh, <laughs> listen, so nice that so nice to hang out with you. Get to meet you. My dog. Respect, Excellent. guys. Take okay. care, brother. All right, Marcellus, be well. Take care, Marcellus. All right. And Matt, that was uh, that was our episode. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I guess when we come back on Wednesday, we can we can uh, preview uh, the the uh, Derek Lewis fight. Let me let me just get the proper plug here. I have to scroll all the way down. Did your nephew have fun? He loved Laura La, yeah, Lewis versus Spivak, which is uh, November nineteenth. Yes, he did. And Matt, can I want to promote one thing too before I forget? I am finally coming to Long Island for the oh. Paramount Theater. I will be at the Paramount March the fourth. Tickets are on pre-sale tomorrow morning, Tuesday, the pre-sale, and the promo code is CHIN. March the 4th? March 4th. Can I please, um, can I can I go there with my wife? Yes, you can. It's a nice theater. It's, it's, this is the uh, Paramount Theater in Huntington, <gasps> and, and uh, which I love. Tomorrow, I pre-sale, the uh, promo code is CHIN. I can't wait. Oh, Jimmy, I'm going to go to this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I'm going to look forward to it, too. Are you going to wave to me? Of course. I'll see you before and after the show. It'll be so much fun. All right, Jimmy, I'll talk to you in a couple of days. I can't wait, buddy. Yes, and thanks to Marcellus Wiley. Really fun hanging. And uh, again, congrats to Alice Pereira and, and, and Wiley Zhang. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Got it. Bye, everybody. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.